I remember thinking, I've made a terrible mistake. This is awful. And calling my mom, her saying, well, just come home. And I remember going, what What do you mean come home? I am home. Like this place, even though I was miserable in the rain, it was home. I realized, oh my God, if this is my home, I am either going to be miserable for my whole life because I hate this rain or I can change my mind and become someone who loves the rain. That was one of the very first times where I consciously began to reprogram myself. I needed to make a decision to become someone who loves the rain and set about doing it. Hello there. Welcome to this very, very, very special episode. We're celebrating today 100,000 downloads of the Creative Genius Podcast. Actually, we blew through that mark a couple of weeks ago. We had been planning this episode to coincide with that, and it just kind of, the numbers beat us to it. I have a really special episode planned to celebrate this milestone. And before I tell you about my plan, I have to tell you about the giveaway that we're doing. I had reached out to a handful of past guests saying, you know, we're about to approach our 100,000 downloads. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show and for being a part of the magic that is the Creative Genius Podcast. Would you like to contribute a gift? We're going to do a giveaway. And, you know, I expected two or three of them to write back and say, yeah, I'll give you this or I'll give you that. So many of them wrote back right away saying, you know, Thank you so much. The work you're doing is so important. I loved being a guest on the show. I'd come back anytime. Here, I'd like to give you this or I'd like to give you that. I end up with this almost embarrassment of riches, of of things to give away. Head over to kateshepherdcreative.com and check out the show notes for this episode for links and pictures to all the different prizes that are being given away. I want to tell you a little bit about them right here too. Tracy Verdugo is giving away admission to her Playful Painter class. Margaret Smith is giving away free consultation for her transformational intuitive coaching. Betty Franks is giving us one of her beautiful scarves with her artwork on it. Susan Locorecci is contributing a gorgeous print called Los Angeles Noir. Tracy Major is giving us a signed print. And actually, she makes an appearance in this episode, and it's one of the things that she talks about. It's one of her trees. Ange Miller contributing a print called The Purpose of Beauty. It's a hand-embellished 23 by 16 gorgeous print. Lori Siebert will be sending along a prize. Beth Suter, a a digital copy of her moon calendar and her moon planning magic course and a free month of her membership. And Roxanne Williams is giving $150 gift certificate to her online shop. And I thought, you know, gosh, these guys are all being so generous. I better match that. So I am giving away five $100 gift certificates to Morning Moon Nature Jewelry. There's just so much goodness. So keep your ear out for later on in the show when I'm going to give you all the information that you need for how to enter for a chance to win some of that goodness. Right now, I wanted to just take a moment to say something to you. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for listening and for making time for yourself and for making time for creativity. I really feel so strongly and passionately that it is one of the most important things we can do. And I'm so grateful that you're doing it for yourself and I believe you're actually doing it for humanity. And thank you for writing in to tell me the impact this show has had on your creativity, how it has inspired you, how it's made you think about things differently, lit a fire under your butt, all the things you tell me. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing the show with your friends and strangers when you're out in the world. You're raising the volume of this conversation about how humanity is glitching and how creativity is the answer. And even just the act of sharing this show with other people is powerful medicine for people and the planet. When I went on that walk two years ago and I heard that voice telling me it was time to start a podcast, I'm sure you've heard me tell that story a few times over the last 18 months. I had no idea what I was even going to talk about. I had no idea if I even had it in me to be a podcast host or if I knew how to interview people. And I certainly didn't know how to edit things or get a podcast out in the world. I had to learn all that stuff myself. But fast forward to today. There is no doubt in my mind that this is my life's work. To support the reunion between humans and creativity, it's what I was born to do. We're yearning for each other, and it's my deep honor to, in some small way, facilitate that reunion. 
And I'm so grateful to every single one of our amazing 42 guests so far. These are creative trailblazers that have been enormously generous with their time and their wisdom and their love. We've laughed, we've cried, we've learned, we've had light bulb moments right inside episodes together. It's, it's been an incredible experience for, for me as a host. I've heard that from the guests and I hear that from you. We're really on an amazing journey together. When I reflected back on the past 42 episodes, I saw something begin to emerge. There's a bigger message woven into this sparkling comet trail of all of these episodes. It's as if each guest was imparting their nugget and passing on the torch to the next. Together, they painted this constellation containing the very instructions for how we can all begin to access, activate, and trust creativity to run our lives so that we can stop glitching. There's a whole other world of this podcast that exists inside of the Creative Genius Patreon membership. Juicy bonus episodes where I share personal insights, intimate, vulnerable moments. I offer journal worksheets and painting workshops and guided meditations, new things every other week that are all intended to support and spark your own creativity. Everything that's already been created is in the Creative Genius Patreon library and will instantly become available to you when you activate your membership. It's only $5 Canadian a month, which is about $3.50 US a month. I've made it so affordable so that it can be accessible to as many people as possible because it really does contain juicy, good stuff, but also because I need your support in order to keep creating this show. So if you love the show, please sign up. I can't do it without you. And I really, 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 really want to keep doing it. In this episode, I will do my very best to translate the beautiful wisdoms shared with us over the past 18 months into the larger message I feel they are trying to impart. I offer this episode to you with the intention that we may all deepen our own understanding of creativity, our relationship to it, and how to remember again just how incredibly worthy we each are of receiving and activating it. If you hear something today that resonates with your heart, please take a moment to think about who in your life would benefit from hearing it and send a link to the show to them. One by one, we will reach all the hearts who need this medicine. Thank you for being here. I love and appreciate you more than I can describe with words. Please enjoy this celebratory episode. Since I set Creative Genius out into the world, I've interviewed 42 people. And I've learned a lot, not only about how to be a podcast host, how to be a better listener, how to keep going even when things seem to get hard or plateau. I've also learned a lot about creativity. You know, the premise of this show is that humanity is glitching because we've become disconnected from this incredible intelligence that is not only animating us and our creative lives in our spiritual lives, and our practical and professional lives. It's the intelligence that tells all the molecules in a chair how to stay together and stay in the shape of a chair. And it's the same intelligence that tells the zinnia seed that I planted two weeks ago in my son's flower garden when to open and how to grow. It's that intelligence that nags away at you to go to the art supply store and buy those watercolors or the music store to get the guitar. It's the thing that tells you, keep going one more block today on your walk. It's what writes poetry through our hands, nudges us to pick up the phone and call someone we haven't thought of in a long time. It is the intelligence that's animating the entire universe. And it's longing for us to become aware of it and to collaborate with us. It's looking earnestly for places to come into being. It's looking for you and you're looking for it. It's an incredible thing to me to think that something that I create in my kitchen has gone on to impact so many people's lives. We are celebrating over now 100,000 downloads of this podcast from here in Vancouver to Seattle and Los Angeles and New York. Florida, Germany, England, Australia. We're inspiring a new way of being in relationship with this intelligence. I looked at some of my favorite moments over the last 18 months and some of the biggest kind of epiphanies that I had. And I wanted to highlight them here for you today in this episode. And the first one comes from my now very dear friend, Tracy Major. 
who joined us for an episode about burning your life down. She was a wildly successful Hollywood producer of lots of TV shows that you know, Bachelor, Bachelorette. She was nominated for four Emmys for her work in television. She really made it in Hollywood, which was her lifelong dream. But when she got there, she realized it actually wasn't the wisest part of her being that had wanted that career for her. And she realized she didn't want it anymore. And she had to set about burning her life down. My father was a producer and director in New York and Los Angeles. Parents got divorced when I was six. All I ever wanted to be was like my dad. I want to be like my dad. But I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, and I didn't get to see my dad often. He was always too busy, blah, blah, blah. But that time that I did get to go with him was for a show called The People Show based on the magazine. This is way back in the 70s. I was 15 and I got to, as I've always just called it, the clacker. I got to clack the board and say, here we are and go. Clacked. And once I did that, and he paid me $25. It was at an ELO concert electric light orchestra back in the heyday. And I got to go with him as he was directing this whole backstage thing. I mean, it was very cool. Then flash forward, I went to the University of Kansas, studied journalism. I was always writing poetry and creative writing were the the things I could excel in in school where I wasn't excelling in any other area in school. But I still wanted to be a TV producer director. It was about my dad. He was the one who left and I wanted him to love me in a way that he could relate to. I managed to get a job. A friend of my dad's hired me and he said, I can get you the meeting. Only you can get the job and only you can keep it. And that was at ABC television in Hollywood. I started out as a researcher. I was just a baby, but I loved it. I worked my ass off and I stayed and I kept getting promoted and I worked really, really hard. Everybody said, if you can make it on this show and not get fired, you can do anything. And I made it. Then I went into daytime television. When reality television came in, I made the leap. It's a really hard field. It's hard for women. It's hard to be taken seriously when you're a caring person. When you find the ones who aren't trying to destroy you on their way up, you cling to them. I clung and I was clinged to. So many of the women who are able to get to the top have to be nasty. I've been out now for three years, so I'm able to reflect back I didn't like who I was becoming. I was pushed to the brink and I blew. The stress around me was from the ridiculous to the sublime. It was absolutely ludicrous what was going on. To calm myself down, I had a bucket of flare markers, like the Staples flare markers in a bucket on my desk and my big desk calendar. I just started doodling, like enraged doodling on my desk calendar. People who understood me could come into my office and we'd have a meeting and I'd say, you guys, I'm going to doodle, but I'm completely paying attention. Doodle, doodle, doodle. When I stood back after maybe several days of just doing this, this scratching on the paper with crappy flare markers, from this darkness came these trees full of color and full of light. It gives me chills just saying it. It makes me like emotional because I had no concept that they were coming out on this crappy Staples calendar. The trees are everything that is my future. And the darkness is everything that was my past. And now I'm finally free to live in the bright color whimsy, joy, comedy, tears, sadness, but all with bright swooshes of color. That is the gift that the trees have brought. It's a whole other life. And the authentic me, when I was in television, I had to be tough and smart and funny and talented. And I had to have a big ass facade on. The trees are just a thousand percent me. 
the trees have freed me, totally freed me. We've all had experiences where we invest so much of our lives into creating something that we think we really, really want, only to find out that 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 thing that we really, really wanted, that wanting itself was coming from a place of woundedness, of fear, of pain, of dysfunction of some kind. When we get to a point in our lives where we're reflecting, where we're asking ourselves, am I happy? How does this feel? So many of us have crafted lives based on misguided desires, these ego-based desires or fear-based desires. And life tries to talk to us about this. It's always trying to course correct, right? Like it gives us these little nudges all along the way. And I'm going to talk about nudges in a little bit. But it does try to talk to us. It does try to sort of say, well, maybe, maybe not this. That can be scary. So we tend to ignore them. We tend to sort of shove them down and keep going and power through. And I invested all this time and energy and I've wanted this my whole life. And whatever the story is that leads you there, there's a certain amount of better the devil you know, right? There is no roadmap. There's no document that you can download and read about your purpose or your direction. You really have to set about discovering yourself like a detective. And that's really difficult. Because you got to buy food, you got to pay rent, you got to make friends. I mean, you know, there's just the logistics of life take up a certain amount of resources. And so the idea of setting about being a detective to find out what your bigger purpose is, it can be really daunting. But what we find in the end is that life does not leave us alone until we listen. So you can either look at your life and choose to intentionally burn down what isn't working like firefighters would in a forest with a controlled burn. So let's intentionally burn that down in a controlled way so we don't have a bigger problem later on. Very counterintuitive to do that in our own lives. And we often avoid doing it, almost at all costs, only to find that the universe is just going to end up doing it for us anyway. Ran into a woman at after-school pickup yesterday, and as we were waiting for our kids to come out on a grassy curb, underneath the shade of these beautiful towering cedars that are in our neighborhood. She shared with me that she's feeling some pain and confusion about not knowing what she wants to do. How can she find out what she wants to do? She, she keeps getting these ideas and then she follows them for a little while and then they sort of don't pan out. She's having a really hard time listening to herself. And I don't give advice unless it's asked for. And she didn't ask me. So I didn't say anything. But if she had asked me, what I would have said to her is, I think the problem is not as much that you aren't having access to what you do want to do, that you're not giving attention to what isn't working. There's something in your life that really, really, really isn't working for you. There's something that you are committed to every day. You wake up and possibly you're even orienting your entire life around it. And it isn't for you. Until we find out what that thing is that isn't working, it's nearly impossible to make space for finding and activating what is. So if you're having that not this feeling in your life, take a moment and pause and really be with the not this feeling. Okay, what? Not what? Get specific. Find out what you've oriented your entire life around. Find out where the no's are. Find out the things you don't want to be doing anymore and bravely burn them down. It's the only way the new thing can grow. When we realize the not this, we realize the thing we have to let go of. There's also a certain amount of grace we have to learn to cultivate for ourselves to allow something else to tell us when it's time to let go. You know, identifying that your marriage might not be working or that your job isn't the right one for you or that you need to live in a different city or that it's time for a career change, whatever it is, identifying it is one thing. And beginning to take steps to shift it so that something else can come in is another thing. And it's okay to give yourself the time and the space that you need to let go of that thing when it truly is time to let go of that thing. And you'll know, and only you'll know. You can talk to a thousand friends and therapists and read a million books about it. But really, only you'll know when it's time to let go. And I really encourage you to to trust that. There's something in you that knows and will know the exact right moment to let go so that you land in exactly the perfect space for you. So you've identified what isn't working. You've set the wheels in motion to make a change. 
and you've given yourself the grace and the space to let go in a way that's inspired by something that's deep inside of you, not your fear. That in itself is a beautiful process and it can take a long time, but it's really necessary. It creates the ground for you to find out the then what? Because the feeling you had before was not this. And the question you have now is, okay, then what? So I've said no to what isn't working. I've done the work. I've created the space. Now you're in a place, you've created this field, this beautiful field where your this can begin to grow. There's not a heck of a lot you need to do to find your this. You know, that same woman I was telling you about that, that I ran into yesterday outside of the school was telling me she just doesn't know what. Like she, she tries all these different things and nothing sticks and she gets in her head about it. Oh, well, maybe I should be doing this and maybe I should be doing that. That's all part of the mechanics of keeping you stuck in the part of your life where you're doing the thing that isn't quite right for you. And that falls away when you identify what the thing is that isn't working and begin to let it go and give yourself the grace and space to let it go. So then you don't have to worry so much. Like if she does that, if she really goes home and finds out what the thing is, is that, she, that she's orienting her life around that isn't really for her and she takes the steps that are needed to let that go and she gives herself the grace and the space to let that go when the time is right, spontaneously, the thing that is her is will appear. It's kind of just like a law of nature, like gravity. There's nothing she's going to have to do to find her great big thing. But in the spaciousness that she creates when she says no to what isn't working, her yes will appear. And you can just trust that. And don't take my word for it. Try it out for yourself. This episode of Creative Genius is brought to you by Morning Moon Nature Jewelry. Instantly familiar, yet unlike anything you've ever owned. This extraordinary handcrafted heirloom jewelry is famous for its incredible detail of actual textures from nature. Get 15% off your first order and feel the wonder. Use coupon code CREATIVEGENIUS at lovemorningmoon.com. What I heard over and over again talking to guests over this last 18 months was that in that spaciousness in one way or another, that knowing does arise, that knowing does come up of what it is that I want to be doing. I talked to Pamela Bates, who shares her amazing sudden realization that she needed a complete career change and that she was a painter. And it just came out of nowhere. My sister had suggested we go to the Gardner Museum in Boston, which is amazing. I had never been, always wanted to. I needed some peace. (laughs) And you walk in and there's an amazing, amazing courtyard that is in the center of this, I guess I would call it the take on a Venice palace in the middle of the Fenway of Boston. Isabella Stewart Gardner created this museum. It was her vision. And I stepped away from the courtyard and into the first room, which is the Spanish cloister. We were two of the first people in that morning. And I stepped in and I was uh, very close to El Jaleo by John Singer Sargent. And I was absolutely awestruck. Like I was just my uh, my chin dropped to my chest and my, I was, oh my God. And then the guard came in and said, ladies, I haven't even turned the light on. And when the guard flicked that switch, it lit me up inside like a lightning bolt. And it knocked me back, that painting knocked me back across the room, several steps, took my breath away. And that was just my moment. And I knew when I got home that I needed to paint, that I needed to actually pick up a paintbrush instead of a mouse and lay it on. And I had nothing. I had no supplies. I think I had like a kid's watercolor set. I knew when I was standing in front of the painting, even before I had painted, I think, that this would be a calling, that soul and the universe were telling me that this was the direction I needed to go in. And so I did, and I didn't stop painting. And I I quickly realized that it was what I wanted to do with my life and transitioned very quickly out of my old business and created a new one based on uh, painting and fine art. I tell that story often because 
it can be a moment like that, or it can be a series of moments, or, you know, you just have to tune in to yourself and the universe to hear, uh, to hear that voice. We heard that from Wendy McWilliams. We heard that from Betty Franks. I've heard that over and over again from guests over these last couple of years. There is a moment where your knowing of what it is that you want to be doing will find you. Trust that. It's coming. And the only way you can hasten that is actually to create the space we're talking about by saying no to what isn't working. And you don't get to have both. You don't get to find out what your purpose is by holding on to the old. Like maybe you'll get glimpses, but it will become very clear and very obvious to you when you've really let go of what isn't working. It's a lot like growing a garden. And if I want to grow a bunch of carrots in my garden in the spring, if I don't go in there and take out all the weeds, I'm not going to have nice clear soil to grow my carrots in. All those plants are going to be competing for resources with each other. And maybe a carrot or two will grow, but they won't be big and there'll be a bunch of weeds. And you really need to spend time going in and pulling out and disposing of things that you don't want to be growing in your life. It's hard work. I'm sorry to tell you there's no workaround. There's no hack. (laughs) You really do have to go through and burn down what isn't working. And then once you've had that and your moment comes and chances are you already know what your thing is. Chances are you, you were doing it when you were 10 years old. And I love what Betty Franks gave to us in her episode around a decision. And this has come back to me over and over again over the years. You know, we know the thing that we want to do, even if we don't know how to do it. The key that opens the magical doorway to the world where we do know how to do it and where we are that thing is so much simpler than many of us think. The single most important thing you can do to become the thing that you want to become is simply decide. It's a step we skip over very often and it's very easy to skip over because the part of us that maybe wants us to stay put and stay still in this life that we're currently living and not become a new thing because new things are scary, that part of us wants us to believe that it's more complicated than it is. Betty tells a story about how she just decided she wanted to become an artist and did it. I suddenly fell in love with abstract work and I just was like, I want to be an abstract artist. That's what I want to do. And that's where I drew the line in the sand and I said, okay, from this day forward, I'm an abstract artist. That's what my focus is. I packed up all my mixed media stuff. I got rid of stuff. I sold some stuff. Majority of it, I just gave away because I didn't want to be distracted. It was very exciting for me. It was this kind of transitional moment in venturing into something new. It was also difficult. It was a a period of growing again and, and learning and figuring things out. And that part, as you know, is never easy, but you have to go through that to get to become a better artist and to be able to create art that that you're happy with. I think the hardest thing was it took me several years to finally figure out my style. So those three years, although that doesn't seem like very long looking back now, but it was very frustrating. I took some workshops with some favorite artists and that really helped me. I remember being in the studio and just looking at what I'm doing and going, I just don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to do, but I have no clue what I'm doing, but I just have to keep going. I need to put my blinders on and just not pay attention to everything else. Because at that point I was on social media, looking at what Mm -hmm. other people were doing. I would look at somebody who was way further ahead in their journey than I was, but yet I would still look at that and say, well, what's wrong with me? Why can't I figure this out? Mm -hmm. And so I had to put those blinders on and say, you know, Betty, just keep creating. Just just stay focused. Keep doing what you're doing. That deciding is one of the most powerful things that you can ever do. There's literally magic in making the decision in that moment of choosing. I remember when I first moved to British Columbia from Ontario 20 years ago, it's a temperate rainforest here. It rains a lot of the year, like for most of the year, six months, seven months out of the year, it's raining. I came from a place where even in the dead of winter, it's bright sunny days and snow everywhere and a lot of sun and light. When I first moved here, 
It was gorgeous for September and gorgeous for October. And then November hit and it happened to be that year that it was like the most rainfall that they'd had in a November for 10 years. Like it was a lot of rain. I remember thinking, I've made a terrible mistake. This is awful. It was just, it was constantly, everything was wet and it was dark and it was heavy and the pressure was low. And it just, it was such a different energy than what I was used to. You know, those expansive winter days when you just feel like anything's possible. The sky is just endless. Well, you don't get that in a rainforest. You're in this cloud cover and everything feels small and it's gray and it's damp. But I remember having a moment in, I'd say about January. So it had been raining for a couple months. And I loved this place with a deep, resonant love. Like it, I knew I was meant to be here. Like it felt like home. I went through a terrible, unexpected life event shortly after arriving here. And I remember calling home and talking to my mom and her saying, well, just come home. And I remember kind of like tilting my head off to the side and going, what? But confused. What, what do you mean come home? I am home. Like this place, even though I was miserable in the rain, it was home. I knew I was home. I had this kind of epiphany where I realized, oh my God, if this is my home, I am either going to be miserable for my whole life because I hate this rain, or I can change my mind and become someone who loves the rain. That was one of the very first times where I consciously began to reprogram myself. I realized I needed to make a decision to become someone who loves the rain and set about doing it. And I think it took a couple of years. I just started to say, oh, I love the rain. I just literally started to change the stories I had about the rain. I would go on vacations to places like Tofino and Stormwatch. And I bought really great rain gear. And I started trail running in the rain. I started really fostering my sense of cozy. I would knit and buy socks and make tea. And I remember a time when people would complain about the weather and I would say, oh no, I love the rain. And there was a time when I didn't mean it. And I knew I was just saying it. But I did it enough. And I swear to you, there was a transition that happened at some point when I truly became somebody who loved the rain. And a hand on my heart, I love the rain, gets to the point, here we are in May, the rainy season is just kind of drawing to a close for the year. And there's a little part of me not really ready to let go of the rain. That's how much I love it. I know summer's coming and it's going to be amazing. I'm going to swim in the river every day and it's going to be wonderful. But I love, I truly and genuinely love the rain so much now that it's hard for me to switch seasons. I also had an opportunity to do this when my marriage was ending. I had to be the one to set the wheels in motion to transition out of that relationship. And I had a lot of anxiety about how it would impact my children. You know, that was one of my biggest concerns. What we know is that it's not divorce that has an adverse effect on the development of children. It's conflict. So I made a decision to walk through that journey of divorce for myself and for my kid's dad and for my kids without conflict. I made a decision to forgive him. I made a decision to be friends. It wasn't always easy, but I'm very proud of where we are now. You know, we have birthdays together and we talk about going on vacations together. And that's something that never would have been possible, I think, if I hadn't decided to make a friendship out of that situation. And it, and it didn't come right away. It took time, just like me learning how to love the rain. It took time. You know, that took years to really settle in. And the same thing with Betty, when she decided to become a painter, an abstract painter. It didn't happen the next day just because she decided, but you can be 100% sure that it did happen because of that decision, because of the action of deciding. So all that to say, that whether it's Betty deciding she wanted to be an abstract artist, even though she had no idea what she was doing, or me deciding that I love the rain, or that I was going to walk through a divorce with as much love and compassion and forgiveness as possible for the highest good of all involved, and selfishly for me, because I knew that I wanted to have a good life, and you can't have a good life when you have an arch enemy. Making a decision and orienting your entire life around it is one of the most powerful things you can ever do. So I want to underline that, the power of making a decision. Another 
really powerful moment in the podcast was when I talked to two-time Juno-winning Canadian singer-songwriter Dan Mangan. His episode was one of those episodes where I feel like I could have made the entire episode into a soundbite. Everything he said was just, I wanted to highlight it. But there's a moment in that conversation where he talks about the hard work that he put into building what he has now. You know, he didn't just become a famous Canadian musician by luck. He really hustled. And uh, I love what he has to say about hustling. I remember in those early days thinking like, it's like I'm on a train and I got, the train is stopped at the platform and I'm just waiting for everyone to get on the train because once they're on the train, oh man, like I'm going to play the best song ever and they're going to love me and it's all going to happen. I'm going to get discovered. Um, and so there's this sense of like waiting or something like that. Like I just wrote my best song ever, but like, I don't want to put it out yet because I don't have a big enough audience right. or something, you know? Right. And, uh, and it's garbage. Like you just, you just gotta do it and then write something better, you know? And that sense of like waiting is just, it's like atrophy. And the truth is that what you need to do, like, let's say there's only two people on your train, get that train moving. Like you want the train movings and the faster it goes and the the more exciting it gets um eventually there will be people at the next station waiting to jump on as it flies by and you need that kind of momentum and that kind of excitement around what you're doing in order to attract any attention in this like incredibly oversaturated world of art um it's so hard to get anyone's attention and it's so hard to keep their attention and so what you have to do is not worry about specifically holding anyone's attention, but just being this like ongoing vessel of excitement so that they come to you. And it's the same, you know, that was how I found my manager and I ended up working with Arts and Crafts, who was my favorite label in Canada. And they were Broken Social Scene and Feist and all these people, Jason Collette, that I looked up to and I idolized. And I, you know, I I didn't go to them. Uh, They came to me because I, had been just like hustling my ass off, trying to build something in my little corner of the world. You know, I'm, 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 I'm out there in the world doing the thing that I love and placing myself in the crosshairs of opportunity. So far, you've gone on a journey where you found out what you don't want. You've identified what you do want. You've made room for what you do want to come in. You've aligned with it and decided now, this is what I'm going to make happen. This is what I'm going to become. This is the real me. You declare it, you decide it, and then you begin to walk toward it. And then there are moments inevitably along that journey. And I'm sure Betty and Dan and Pamela and Tracy, all of the guests, everybody would tell you that along that journey, even though you've decided and you feel so clear and there's such alignment, there are moments when you feel like, I can't keep going. This is too hard. Those moments are actually gifts to help us dig deeper. And find a new level of our gift. My friend Ange and I, Ange Miller, who you've also probably heard on the podcast, talk about that all the time, about how these setbacks, these plateaus, these these seeming failures are actually an opportunity for us and an invitation and maybe even instructions for us from the universe, from creativity to dig deeper, to go in and find more. And Dan talks about, you know, keep hustling in your little corner of the world. I think that that's the important thing is you just, you keep going. I have a reminder in my phone that pops up at random intervals that says, keep going. And I also want to say there's an important kind of caveat to that. Rest is also really important. So yes, it's important to keep going and keep hustling and keep building your, your dream. So important. You, it can't happen without you doing that. It's also really important to cultivate an understanding of how to listen to what your body and your mind and your soul are really telling you when it comes to rest. And Pamela Bates talks about, I love this, she calls it radical rest. Literally the first question that the doctor asked me was, have you been under a lot of stress lately? Uh, yeah, yeah, just a little bit, little little stress. I mean, at this point, my dad had passed and I'm talking big life stress and I didn't manage it well. Really, to start healing, it's you need radical rest. You don't just need rest. You actually need radical rest. That needs to be your goal daily. And by rest, I don't mean like a pedicure or a manicure. 
or sitting by the pool with a cocktail, which I'm all about. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. If there's a margarita and a pool involved, I'm your girl. It's really like a balancing act. I think societally, we have not honored or given rest the place of honor that it deserves because it can be a huge part to healing your body and your emotions and your, uh, all of it. When I say rest, I really do mean it. Like getting more sleep than you've ever gotten to support your body in healing. It wears on your body and your mind physically more than you know until all of a sudden you're confronted with years of not managing and stress or making room for rest and for being in the moment. And that's all about that tuning in too. You know, we have really lifted up on a pedestal uh, doing more than one thing at once, multitasking. Uh, I'm not down for that story at all. We lose that presence in the moment. And I think that that lesson can serve you so well in the studio. You have to fill the well and also to find joy in other ways. Because if that's all we are doing is creating, 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 and and I love that creative train when you're in there and things are flowing and things are happening, but it doesn't, I don't think that it happens. You were asking me before, like, how can you set yourself up for that flow? I think that that's a huge part of it is by also recognizing that it is a balance and you need to um, build that rest time and like disengage from Instagram and social media and everything that's coming at us, right? On a daily basis. It's a lot, whether it's by making time to meditate, whether it's taking time to sit and read a book, uh, play a game with our our kids. You have to find those other moments of joy to fill your well creatively. And you have to allow that uh, radical rest. That's part of filling the well. As artists, often we are hooked into this incredible grid of intelligence and energy and inspiration and ideas. And it really can seem infinite. Like, you know, when you have a vision for a body of work, how could you ever stop? You got to keep going and producing and making and, and chipping away at it and learning the new skills and mastering your new technical abilities. And I mean, it could be, it could be endless. But if we don't rest when we need it, none of it can happen. So the balance between the hustle and, and the rest is really important. There are some moments when we feel super plugged into what's trying to happen through us and we feel connected and aligned and like creativity is moving our hands and our hearts and our words and our thoughts and our ideas and our inspiration. And then there are other moments when it can almost feel like we've become completely disconnected from, from it. And we wonder almost, where did it go? Like, did it abandon us? Is it over? Was I imagining it? What, what, what's happening? What do I do? I love what Andrea Garvey shared with us in her episode about listening to the little nudges. Those intuitions, the ideas, they're just coming like fast. I can't even grab hold of them. You know, they're just flying around and I'm just holding on and I'm like, okay, that's a good one. And I, I have a, I just write it down now. Now I just write down these little notes. And I would say that and 100%, it's a mind shift for me. A lot has to do with just being aware of the, you know, things that are happening, the guidance I'm getting from, I call them universal whispers. That's what I call them. And I write in my, in my pages, like, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for those whispers. And then I'll even say in the middle of the day, I get this like really awesome idea. And I'll say, thank you. I'm hearing, I'm listening. There are times when... I get a nudge and yeah, it is really inconvenient. <laughs> but the way I realize that the nudge needs to be acted on is if it keeps appearing. It's like still happening. You're still thinking about it. Your heart is still thinking about it. And the thing about nudges and feelings are, I'm sure people know this, like if you say yes to something that you shouldn't be saying yes to, whether it's the littlest thing, like, going out with somebody or saying yes to a project or, you know, little, little things, having that donut, whatever it is, you're going to feel the nudge that's going to say, nah, bad decision. Sometimes there's the littlest thing I do. 
And I sometimes I ask for signs, just something little, you know, like I just really want to see little heart or something or something. It's crazy how many I see and I, and I look at it and I stop, I go, that there's no way that is. Oh my gosh, it is. Okay. Thank you. And then, so I think that, um, you know, it can get a little scary once you start being open to things and you change your mind shift to the fact that there is a big spiritual world out there. Things are going to happen if you put yourself out there. And sometimes that is scary, but I don't know. You just have to, wouldn't you rather feel alive and tingly than to, to, to not be aware? I love what Andrea says about listening to the little nudges. No matter how lost you feel, no matter how quiet it gets, there are always little quiet nudges, whether that's to get up off the couch and go for a walk in this moment, you want a glass of lemonade over a glass of water, or the weird little idea you keep having of a sketch that you want to draw. There are always nudges in each and every moment, creating a practice for yourself where you're training yourself to listen to those nudges so that you can recognize them more easily is a really powerful way to help navigate your life with more ease. You don't tend to feel lost so often because you've trained yourself to learn how to not only look for the nudges, like to know that you need to be looking for the nudges, but also how to recognize a nudge when it's a nudge. Because there's a difference between a nudge and a fearful instinct. So cultivating your ability to listen to nudges and follow them and trust yourself to follow them. Really, really powerful stuff. But I think one of the most important things that I've learned over the course of doing this show over the last 18 months has been around receiving. All of this hinges on our ability and our capacity to receive. And if we don't believe ultimately that we're worthy of a life so good that we're willing to burn down the life that isn't ours, if we don't believe that we're worthy of bravely declaring our own dreams, we're not going to make those declarative decisions and go for it. We're not going to keep hustling when we need to keep hustling. We're not going to rest when we need to rest. And we're not going to believe, you know, if we don't believe ultimately that deep down we're worthy, we're not even going to believe that we're worthy of receiving nudges. And so we, we won't even look for them. This piece around receivership is a really important part of this puzzle. Carmen Spaniola and I talk about this in a really recent episode around receivership, around being willing to receive. She's worked with so many people in trauma and trauma recovery. In her view, it's not so much a matter of whether or not the magic is out there for you to receive. It's whether or not you're actually able to take it in. When you get to the point in your spiritual practice where you are petitioning your ancestors or the asteroids you were born under or God or spirit or whatever you call it, and you say, okay, I'm trusting this and I believe in you. Will you bless my life? Spirit's going to bring out the jazz hands. And essentially, they're just going to say, you're enough. You are so awesome. You matter. And I love you. That's all there is. That's all, that's all there is. And the question is, can I keep breathing and keep my eyes open and I let it come in? Is there a place where that could land inside? Bringing forth this treasure that's inside of us. I mean, if that's our goal, these things that we've talked about today are all tools that, and it isn't a linear thing. These are tools that we're constantly reaching for to recalibrate as we course correct throughout our lives. The learning to receive seems to be underpinning it all. The thing that made me want to start this show in the very beginning was that I saw, after years of being an artist and interacting with the public, I saw that the majority of people are yearning to reconnect with creativity, are yearning to activate this thing, wishing that it was inside of them. And I saw that creativity itself was hungry for people to move through, for people to bring it to life. I saw very clearly with my whole being that I needed to dedicate my entire life to doing as much as I could to facilitate a reunion between these two beautiful entities, the humans 
who are yearning for the creativity and the creativity that's yearning for its humans. The thing you're yearning for is also yearning for you. There's nothing else you need to do to make it happen, to turn it on, to generate it, to become worthy of it. It has been pursuing you your entire life since you were 10 years old. And before, it wants to be in communion with you. It wants to collaborate with you. It wants you as much as you want it. Before I forget, I want to make sure you know how to enter for the 100,000 download celebration giveaway extravaganza. We have amazing gifts from Tracy Verdugo and Tracy Major, Betty Franks, Susan Logorecci, Margaret Smith, Ange Miller, Lori Siebert, Beth Souter, Roxanne Willems, and I've got five $100 gift certificates for Morning Moon Nature Jewelry. I'm so excited to give these away. The only thing you need to do to enter, share the podcast on social media. You could do it on Facebook or on Instagram and tag me at Kate Shepherd Creative or at the Creative Genius Podcast and make sure you're signed up for my newsletter. We'll be doing a draw on June 9th for each of these prizes from the pool of people that are signed up for my e-newsletter. It's a really juicy, lovely, wonderful newsletter. Sometimes it's wacky little thoughts from me. Sometimes it's opportunities to purchase new work. I'll let you know when I've got new workshops or guided meditations going. And I don't overwhelm you with with stuff. So I promise you it's probably one of the best newsletters you'll sign up for all year. That's all you need to do to enter. Share it on social media and sign up for my newsletter. If you take one thing from not only this episode, but from this whole podcast series, I hope it's the inspiration to continue to look inside, to cultivate a connection with this deep, incredible wisdom that lives inside of you and that is yearning to connect with you. That things you hear in this show help you realize how absolutely worthy you are of these gifts and how much the world needs you to do whatever it takes to begin to trust yourself so that you can let them out and share them. Make sure you're signed up for my newsletter. I pick a random person from my email list once every month and send them an original piece of my artwork. It's one of my favorite things to do. It takes a lot to put together this show. Please consider supporting me to do it. You can visit patreon.com slash Podcast to find out more. And please keep my jewelry or paintings and especially gratitude birds, which keep selling out, in mind next time you're looking for a treat for yourself or for a loved one. You can find everything I've mentioned on katesheppardcreative.com. Thank you for being here, for opening your heart, and for listening. My wish and intention for this show is that it reach into your heart and stir the beautiful thing that lives in there. May you find and unleash your creative genius.